0: Well good morning and Merry Christmas. I hope that everybody's doing well and it's good to see you. This is a great time of year, isn't it? Uh, I I love it because I get to do all the things that I love doing in a just short amount of period of time. I love binge-watching Christmas movies like the classics Elf and uh, Die Hard, right? And, uh, and, and we get to sing some great Christmas music and we, we get to enjoy being around some friends and family and I get to tell a few occasionally bad Christmas jokes like, uh, do you know how to wash your hands during the Christmas season? You use sanitizer, right? Well, that didn't go over so well. We'll, we'll keep working. So uh, anyway, we, we really are glad you're here. So excited about doing Christmas season with First Colleyville. I, I love our church family. And, and just on behalf of a pastor, I just want to say this. Thank you so much for stepping up so big this week during Night of Hope. Uh, you just really are such amazing people. You choo- really choose to love people really well. You choose to serve people really well. And you give so generously. Uh, Your generosity allows us to do things like Night of Hope. And I just wanted you from the bottom of my heart to say thank you so much for that. Uh, We're continuing in our series called The Thrill of Hope. And uh, we're kind of taking this deeper dive into the Christmas story. And last week, Pastor Craig uh, talked about hope when I'm waiting. And, and, and we really looked at how God uses a season of, of waiting for, in our life for good. And uh, as I was thinking about today, I, I wanted to start off with a question. Have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance where you feared for your life? Several years ago, Pastor Craig and I were in Cuba and uh, we were doing some ministry there and kind of under the radar and we were having a great time and we were scouring uh, that country from one end to the other and we found ourselves up in the northern end of Cuba and uh, we're working with college and high school kids up at the top end and it was in a mountainous region and, uh, and so we needed to get down to the south to catch a flight so that we could, down in Santiago, which was about about a five hours drive from where we were. And we needed to catch a flight so we could go to, uh, up to Havana and then back home because we needed to get back for some things here at church. And, and so uh, we were doing ministry and things were going along really well and we got a little bit behind schedule. And uh, as we kind of were finishing things up, we looked at our watch and we realized, hey, it's five hours to the airport and our plane leaves in less than five hours. And so the team that we were working with there in Cuba couldn't take us and so they hired a cab driver. And you can already imagine things are starting to go downhill and make, what makes it even worse is they didn't even know the cab driver, they didn't know who he was, they put us in this, this cab that was... Looks like it was back in the 1950s, right? I mean, and, uh, and it's kind of a, a bright blue color, and, and uh, our, our driver speaks virtually, well, actually no English, and I spoke no Spanish, nor did Craig, and, and Pastor Dale was with us, and I was sitting in the middle, and they were both on either side of me, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm following along the conversation a little bit, but I could tell he was, you know, it was like, hey, these guys have got to get to this airport really fast right? So we're in the mountain region, okay? So follow me here. So we're at the top of this mountain and to get to the top of, from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain, we need to, you know, drive down this very windy road if you've ever driven on a very mountainous road. And, and it wasn't like straight up, straight down. It was very windy like this. And man, I think he had his foot on the accelerator the whole time. I mean, I'm looking at Craig and I'm, I'm I mean, my eyes were this big. His eyes are this big. And I mean, he is flying. I mean, he's going so fast. I mean, it felt like we were on two wheels around every corner. And and in one situation, we were making our way around a corner. And about that time, a huge bus is coming around the other side. And, and it is so big. I, I'm like, and we are so close to the side and, 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 and you know, kind of going back and forth. We're gonna fall off the cliff, ah, and then we're over here taking people out, almost. I'm like, I could see the bus driver's eyes, right? I mean, he was like staring right at me, was staring into my soul, and I'm staring into his soul. And I promise, no lie, I'm not exaggerating, Pastor Dale could have probably high-fived, I think we were so close to this, this bus, he could have high-fived the bus driver on the other side. I mean, we were, I mean it was crazy. And, and just to kind of give you an idea, I told you it was about a five-hour drive from point A to point B. We got to the airport in less than three hours. I, I mean, I'm telling you, it was the ride of a lifetime. I was scared to death. You know, the truth is, we all have fears, don't we? Uh, if I were to take you out for a cup of coffee and just just you and me, and we were to have a, a quick conversation, and I were just to say, "Hey what what fear creeps into your heart most often? What might you say if we were being real and honest with one another, maybe you 're fearful that you might not ever find that one true love of your life, maybe you 've lost that, and you wonder if it 'll ever come back maybe you fear spending your life alone. Perhaps you fear being inadequate, not measuring up. Perhaps you feel worried or fearful or anxious about your marriage, wondering if your marriage would, might ever get better. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling the grip of fear at work. Am I failing at my job? Am I getting ready to lose my job? Maybe you have fears about your health, about an impending impen- illness that you have or, or something that might be going on or maybe you just fear what happens after you die. And Maybe you're worried about or fearful about your children, their health, their relationships or, or maybe even their spiritual, uh, their spiritual journey. The truth is is that fear is really a basic human emotion. And, 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 and the truth behind that is that so many of us constantly live in the grip of fear and anxiety and worry. And, and truthfully, fear can be perhaps the greatest enemy in our life. We weren't created to live in fear. In fact, God calls us to live in faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have seasons in our life where we'll experience being afraid or fearful, but it's in those seasons when I'm struck with fear, when I feel fear rushing over my life, I have a choice. I can either choose choose to shrink back and, and live in that fear and, and feel the overwhelming sense of fear in my life. Or I can step forward in faith. So what do we do when fear seems to be winning the day? And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. In fact, the title of my message is Hope When We Fear. Hope when i am afraid and as we continue to kind of dig into or lean into the christmas story i hope that we'll be able to to uncover some principles that will help us to replace our faith or replace our fear with faith If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I I love the book of Luke. Uh, I loved it so much I named my first son Luke because this book has had such an incredible impact. And let me give you just a a little bit of um, background. We talked a little bit about this last week with Pastor Craig, but kind of what's going on and set the scene for you. It's been about 400 years since the last time God has spoken to the people of Israel. He's been silent. And, and there's, this, there's this sense in the waiting, there, there's some anticipation of when God's going to break his silence. And God is now on the move. Things are about to change for the better. God's plan is in motion. And man, it's getting exciting. Last week, we saw that God began this process by going to a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and, and sharing with them that, that Elizabeth would conceive a, a child and they were to name him John. And he was to be the fulfillment of, of the prophecy and, and, and he would be the, the one that would kind of begin to usher in, right, this, this, this unfolding plan of God. And he would be the front runner of the Messiah. He would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And that's where we meet right now in our text this morning. So read with me Luke chapter 1 Beginning in verse 26, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin that was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph to the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But look in verse 29, and this is... You have a pen or a highlighter. I, I, there's some great places to highlight, but she, it says that she was deeply troubled. She's afraid. She's got that fear thing going on right now. It says she was, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive a and give birth to a son, and, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great, and you will, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And the Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I've had no sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit was gonna come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born and he will be called the Son of God. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month of her who was called childless. I love verse 37. For nothing is what? Nothing is impossible. Underline that with God. God. See, I am the Lord's servant, Mary said, and may it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. So again, we see God beginning to usher in and to break this period of silence as he now sends Gabriel, this holy messenger, to a town called Nazareth, to a city is what the text actually says. And, and I think that's a bit of a stretch because Nazareth is not what you call a gateway destination. It's not a, a modern city by any imagination. In fact, it's, it's really small. It's, it's remote. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you aren't going to Nazareth for any reason other than maybe that you live in Nazareth. There's no major trade route. It's small and insignificant. The people that lived in Nazareth were poor peasants. Many believed as maybe as many as two or 300 people living here at the time of this account. And it's small, small town, right? Small village, not much going on. But that's how God rolls, right? God takes something that looks seemingly small and insignificant and uses it to do great things. It's also in this city of Nazareth that the angel appears to a woman, a young woman named Mary. You say, well, what do we know about Mary? Well, the text tells us that she's a, she's a young virgin who's engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Now, When you talk young, in Jewish practice, it was during this time that when a woman was beginning her engagement process, she was probably somewhere between the ages of 12 and 14. That's young. You know, I have a 12-year-old daughter in my house and this week I was thinking about and my mind was being blown by thinking my 12-year-old daughter, an angel showing up and saying, hey, by the way, you're pregnant. Not only are you pregnant, you're pregnant with the Son of God. I mean, I'm like, white. Right? I mean, this is crazy. And this is just, it's just blowing your mind when you think about how young Mary was. She's engaged to be married. This is an arranged Marriage. But it's also a period of this engagement for about a year that she's working to prove herself to, to Joseph and, her fa- and his family. And she's also working to prove her faithfulness and her purity to her soon-to-be husband. And this was supposed to really be a a, a great season because she's making all the plans and preparations. She's dreaming out loud what her her wedding day might look like. And by all intents and purposes, this was supposed to be a happy season in her life. This is a place where she was dreaming about and full of hope and celebration and expectation. But something was about to change. All the plans that she had dreamed about, all the things that she'd been looking forward to were about to go in a totally different direction. You know, sometimes life has a way of doing that, doesn't it? We're headed in one direction and going in a certain way and all of a sudden, within a blink of an eye... We look back and we see that we're headed in a totally different direction and, 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 and we're going in a different way. And, and when we, we look back and we go, wow, what's happened? And, and, and it's in that season of time sometimes that we can be full of fear, right? We can be full of, because of all the uncertainty and, and, and all the, the change of plans. And I am certain that Mary is feeling the weight of that right now. Mary was afraid. In fact, the passage tells us what? She was deeply troubled. And, and, but who can blame her, right? I mean, how many of you have had an angel show up at your house unannounced? I know if an angel showed up at my place, I would be freaking out, right? Hey, this guy shows up, and not only does he show up, but he says, oh, by the way, you're pregnant. And not only are you pregnant, You're gonna conceive a baby boy. And not only are you gonna conceive a baby boy, Mary, you're gonna conceive a baby boy who is the promised Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Let me just tell you, that would rock your world. I know it would mine. And it's right here in the messiness of all of this, Mary has a choice. Mary has a choice. She can shrink back in fear, be overwhelmed by all of what she's taking in, or she can choose to move forward and replace her fear with faith. So let me ask you this morning, when you're filled with fear, when you feel fear and anxiety and and worry beginning to wash over you, what's your response do you choose to just to, to kind of maybe pull back and, and, and find yourself being overwhelmed by that fear and thinking through all the, the what ifs of life or do you press in moving forward knowing that God is ready to walk beside you in this season of time? So I'd love for us just to kind of take a look at Mary's life and, and, and ask the question, how do we replace our fear with faith? Let me give you four simple, biblical things to do. Number one is stop listening to the voices of fear. Now, I'm certain that Mary was faced with voices of fear from within. Think about it. I mean, she had to be thinking in her mind, how in the world am I gonna explain all of this? What am I gonna tell Joseph? How am I gonna explain my pregnancy to him? Is he gonna believe what I even have to say? I I, I, I feel incredibly inadequate and insignificant. I'm a nobody from a nobody's town. I have nothing to give. You ever been there before? Why would you choose me? Uh, What am I supposed to do with all of this? Uh, What happens with all the plans and the dreams that Joseph and I had been making? Can I hit the pause button for just a moment? Maybe right now, you are gripped by fear. And you've shared these same experiences of those inward voices inside just saying, you can't make it. You're not enough. You don't measure up. You're inadequate. All of your fear is real and and, and you feel overwhelmed by that. But Mary could have listened to those voices from within, but she chose to do something very different. She chose to listen to the voice of God. Oh, I love it. Verse 30, it says, the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And it's at that point that things begin to change. You know, we not only can hear Voices of fear from within, but we can also hear voices of fear on the outside as well, can't we? We live in a world that is full of people who are fearful, naysayers. Makes me think about my son Landon. From a very early age, Landon wanted to play baseball, he loved baseball. He could never seem to get enough of playing the game of baseball. And he dreamed of playing Division I baseball. He dreamed of one day getting a chance to play in the major leagues. And so he worked, and he worked, and he tried, and as he got older, man, and, and, and the, the pressure began to mount and got bigger and bigger. I mean, there would be some tournaments he'd do really well, and then there'd be some tournaments he'd do really bad, and I know he's fighting all these internal voices on the inside, like, man, you're never going to make it, you're not ever going to do it. Then he has coaches in his life saying, Landon, I'm not certain you'll ever make it beyond you know, high school, and I mean, he's fighting all of these fears on the inside and on the outside, and he's really working hard. And I would walk into his room and go into his bathroom and he would have all these fears listed on his on his uh, on his mirror. And, and as he accomplished each one of them, he'd cross it off the list. He'd keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But there were days when I didn't know if he was going to make it all the way through. And then a God, as he only does, puts a man in his life and This guy used to play professional baseball and he starts speaking into Landon's life and he starts spending time with Landon, not only giving him good instruction, but just speaking truth into him. And and, and he begins to tell him, Landon, you can do this. You've got it, son. You can make it. And that encouragement began to fuel Landon and he began to push harder and harder and and work more, I mean, just kept working and working and grinding. He got that Division I baseball scholarship. In, in, in July, on July the, the 10th, I believe, or the 11th, he got a call in the 11th round from a major league baseball team wanting to draft him out of high school. Now, he didn't choose to go that route. He chose to go to school and work hard and still got a dream to play one day. But I'm telling you, what would have happened had Landon believed the voices of fear on the inside and the outside. You know, one of the outside voices that works from the outside in is the enemy, right? (laughs) The enemy is really good about targeting our fear right where we're at. He likes to prey on our insecurity and our anxiety and our distress, and he likes to pour lies of gasoline on top of it like a tinderbox and persuade us that God is Powerless, that he's distant, and that he's indifferent to our lives. But can I just speak some truth over you? God is not powerless. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, his power is immeasurably, I love that word, meaning you can't tap into it, immeasurably great. God's not indifferent towards us because in uh, 1 Peter chapter five, verse seven, it says he cares for you as a father for his child. He's not distant because in Psalms 145 verse 18, he says he will draw near to all who call on him. So can I encourage you to replace your fear with Faith. The second thing we need to do is to stand firm in the promises of God. I, I I just love what God shares with Mary. Look at verses 31 and 33. It says, Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God, who will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will what? Will not end. I don't know about you, but as I read that, this overwhelming sense of confidence rises up inside of me and I want to burst forward and say, yes. And I can imagine it was at this juncture that Mary had a choice to trust God at his word or choose to shrink back in her fear and miss the benefits of trusting God all the way through the process. I love what, David wrote in Psalms 53, verses three through four, he says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will, whose praise I, I look for. I, God, put my trust in you and I shall not be afraid. See, what David was, was confessing was that he was acknowledging that his danger was very real. If you understand the context of this, of this wonderful text and, and that not only was his danger very real, his fear was mounting But rather than living in his fear, rather than than, than cowering down, he chooses to do something very different. He chooses to live in the promises of God and step forward in faith in him. So when you're facing situations or circumstances that are causing you to feel fear and worry and anxiousness, would you... Rather than choosing fear which would break you and crush you, would you choose faith that will benefit you as you go through that endeavor? Go back to God's word. Stand on his promises. Third thing is we need to surrender our life completely to God every day. I love what Mary says in this text and what she prays. In in verse 38, it says, See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Boy, I love that because that is a posture of, of surrender, isn't it? It's a real posture of surrender. You can sense this attitude of, that really reflects a willingness to trust God completely despite the uncertainty of her future. Despite the change of plans that she's now walking through, she is surrendered to God completely. I think she got there because she was convinced, please hear this, convinced that God could do a much better job running her life than she could of her own. Have you ever said to God, I'm, I'm completely surrendered? Have you ever told him I'm completely surrendered to you? I would challenge you right now in the seat that you're sitting in the quietness of your heart to breathe that prayer of surrender and say whatever you want is what I want Whatever you want is what I want because I am willing to accept your way as better than my own. Not because of my own confidence in myself, but my confidence in you. Because God, I recognize you would never call me to do anything that you've not equipped me to do. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of confidence I want to live in, a surrendered life. Starting every day surrendered to the, to the work of God in my life. The man who poured unimaginable hours into me, just challenging me and encouraging me and discipling me, used to always say this, Glenn, before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning, whisper to the Holy Spirit, my life is yours. Do what you please. Because I know you'll do a much better job running my life than I ever could. Wow. What a challenge. And my question for you is, Who you come to a place where you're convinced that Jesus can and will do a better job running your life than you can, until we can become convinced of that, I'm not certain we can truly live that surrendered life. Last thing we can do is to saturate our mind with praise. Did you know that, that praise is the cure for all fear? I I I love that because when we when we usher in praise, it fills our mind with the truth of who God really is. It's exactly what Mary did. If you read over in verses 46 through 49, it's kind of her song, her praise song to the Lord. She says, my soul magnifies you. My soul rejoices. My spirit rejoices. You've looked on favor with me and surely all generations will call me blessed because you are the Holy One, have done great things, and your name is holy. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's anything of moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell. Think on these things. Fill your mind with praise. You know, I, <laughs> I love this season because it's got some great music And uh, this week on my way to work, uh, it's probably Tuesday, I, I pull up to the light. And, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of going through my, the list of things on, on my to-do list. And I'm, you know, kind of going, man, I got a full schedule. And I'm feeling the weight of all of that. And I'm going, man, I got to, you know, Craig dumped this sermon on me at the last minute. And I'm, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. But, uh, you know, all this stuff's going on. And I'm, 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 I'm kind of rolling through all of this, right? And I'm feeling a little bit fearful and a little bit, man, I got so much to do. How am I going to get it all done? And I look over to my left and this gal pulls up. She's young. She's in her 20s. And I mean, like, she is rocking down. And I'm like, hmm. So I zzz, pull my window down. And man, her, her music in her car is thumping. It's this really rocking Christmas music. And all of a sudden, I find myself like kind of, you know, kind of doing that thing. And I'm getting a little bit better mood. And I start looking around. And all the people around us are kind of moving and doing the same thing. And I'm like, wow, the power of music in our life can change the course of our thoughts and our mind, why not set my mind on the praise, praise music, whatever that looks like, uh, uh, that, because it will set my affections and my mind and my heart on the things of God rather than on my circumstances. Right? Now, the truth is, I have no idea what fear is facing you right now. I wish I did as your pastor. I wish I, because of my shepherd's heart, knew every one of the fears that you were going through to pray with you and to work with you through that. But the truth is, is I I can't know all of your fear. But I do know this. God knows what that fear is. God is certain of what that is. And he does not want you to live in fear. He wants you to live in faith He'd rather you choose faith than fear. He'd rather you replace your fear with with faith. How do you do that? We simply do it by stop listening to the voices of fear. We, We stand firm on the promises of God. We surrender our life to God every day and we saturate our mind with praise. the truth is is that there may be some of you here this morning the fear that grips you is what happens when life comes to an end and that's a that's a big weighty thing i get it and that's can be very fearful but can i give you some really good news you don't have to live under the weight of that fear One of my favorite verses, 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13 says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Oh, I love verse 13. I write these things to you so that you may know. Circle that because it means with 100% certainty that you have eternal life. See, here's the gospel in a really small way and how you can know where, where, where you'll be when life is over. The Bible says that God is the one, according to that verse, who gives eternal life. And that life is through his son. Here's what's happened. The bad news is, is that we sinned. And that sin, because God is perfect, separated us from him completely and Totally. And no matter what we try to do on our own to try to get back to God, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how religious we may think we are, no matter how much we might give to charity or, or to paying our bills or being a good person, it never amounts to enough. But what that verse says is that the one that has the son has life. How do you have the son? You simply believe that Jesus is the bridge to get me into a right relationship with the work and the person of God in my life. I made right with God because of Jesus. And I simply put my trust and faith in him. Not because of anything I've done, not because of any goodness on my end or on my part, but just simply because of who he is. And I confess that, Jesus, I want you to be the forgiver and the leader of my life. The end. And you too have the son at that point and will spend eternity knowing Jesus forever. Let me pray with you. For those of you who are here and you're gripped with fear, i want to pray with you. Those of you who are here and then you're saying, hey Glenn, what you just said there at the end makes a lot of sense. I wanna pray for you as well. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that that our fear does not have to overwhelm us to the point of, of causing us to lose sight and lose purpose and meaning. But if we will lean into you and choose to work with you, and cooperate with you and, and stop listening to the voices of fear and, 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 and really stand firm on your promises and, 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 and truly surrender my life to you each and every day, moment by moment. And if I will choose to, uh, to, really, um, and to really just saturate my mind with praise, you will help us replace that fear. With faith, that's your job, and that's exciting. And I pray that for those who are here this morning, who might be riddled with fear. Now, for those of you who, man, I'm—I I identify with what you said about being far from God. I identify. I'm fearful about the certainty of my life. Just simply say, Jesus, in the quietness of your heart, Jesus. Would you forgive me of my sin? I accept your forgiveness. I'm asking you to be the leader of my life. I'm choosing to want to follow you and spend the rest of my days with you forever. Father, thank you for today thank you for your word thank you for the story of Mary thank you that Lord your word contains so much all the authority and all the authority we need for life would we live in it would we do something with it would we take action today and in Jesus name all of God's people said Amen